What a treat to be with you. Uh, gosh, you know, time flies. I think how, look how the, the, we're so close to his return. We're right here at 2023, and I believe that we're very, very close to being raptured. So I want to get into the Word today that shows us how close we are. We'll look at a couple of signs that I think we might just buzz over and keep going. And uh, he'll, he'll strengthen you. He'll bless you. And the one thing about even on, teaching on end times, uh, I've seen more people get healed teaching on end times than when I preached on miracles. Because for many years I preached on how to get the power through you, not just to you. And I'd done some end times and liked it and, and always uh, enjoyed getting into it. And then all of a sudden every single invitation was end times. I'm like, man, that's so wild. So for like 25 years, I've been on the road 37 years. And the first uh, bit of that was about the power of God. But I was in uh, uh, Australia a few years ago in Brisbane teaching in Raymond, Australia. And the church that was there, one of the uh, worship leaders told his wife, whatever you do, make sure our daughter comes today. Because I think she wasn't planning on coming. She didn't like end times. And he said, whatever you do, you drag her here. Well, you know, so she was there and I was preaching on the coming of the Lord, just different signs on the coming of the Lord. And uh, she was communicating, you know, facial expression, 57% of communication is facial expression. And uh, the rest is body language. About 7% of what you say is what people get, you know. So she was communicating to me that she didn't like end times or didn't even want to be there. She was about on the second or third row. She was kind of mad the whole time. And, uh, and I was just trying to preach to her that it was all good news. And then I had a word of knowledge that someone, they, they bursted their tailbone, not just damage, but it burst. I said, you're healed. That little girl came up to me. She's probably about 15 or 16. After service, she's just bawling. She was eighth in pole vaulting in the nation of Australia, and she had fallen and busted her tailbone. And the doctor said, you, you know, we're going to watch it heal up. It's not healing up very good. So she was basically freaking out that it wasn't healing up. And here the Lord reached out and loved on her because he loves you. And here she got healed, not wanting to come, mad at God, mad at the preaching, don't want to hear about end times. I was in Mattoon, Illinois last year, and... Uh, I had a word not somebody has a metal plate in their head and I just said you're healed and that finished the service you know Ed and Mary Nell Stevens are the pastor's name and we came after you finish you know you kind of come and talk like this this woman came walking down to me she goes hey I have a loose screw I said excuse me <laughs> I said I think I said well we all have a loose screw but she goes no no I really have a loose screw I said what are you talking about she goes I have a metal plate in my head and I have a screw that's loose. I said, how can you tell it's loose? She goes, I can shake my head and I can feel it. I said, that's just weird. She said, uh, when, I called, she goes, when I called that out, she said she felt that bolt tighten down in her head. Yeah. And I'm like, what? And uh, uh, so the Lord can even you know, tighten your screw down if he needs to. Praise <laughs> the Lord. I mean, he's just merciful. He's just kind. You, get it in your mind before we get there how merciful he is. When you, when you think you've gone to the end of His mercy, you're not even getting close because there's, there's no end to His kindness, no end to His mercy. He's just good. His mercy endures forever. And the more we get to know Him, the more we realize how could it be that cool that our King died for us, made us like Him, redeemed us, and everything that came when Jesus was raised from the dead, it's yours. Just like if an elder brother died and left you a massive inheritance. I grew up in Louisiana. I know some people in my little town that are still fighting over this little strip of land. And, and you know, they're going to war, going to court, going to... That land, the seven feet where these trailer parks come together, that's my land. And think about fighting over that. And when it comes to what Jesus left, it's people like, oh, no, you don't want to be too bold. Come on, be just as bold as you would over that seven feet of land right there. Go, I mean, whatever you need, just take, uh, take him at his word. Hallelujah. But you know what? If, even if I, if I died today, which I'm not going to die today, and I, I, you know, I have life insurance money it's taken out every month, it would be up to my wife to go to the attorney's office and take a copy of my will and go, hey, this is what he left me. It wouldn't be up to me because I'd be in heaven. 
So, so in other words, you have to find out what Jesus did for you, and you've got to decree it, and you, you take it. Amen? Well, that went over real good, but it's true. Praise the Lord. Amen. So he left you a massive inheritance. Massive, massive. So enjoy it. If you don't have peace of mind, the Lord was dealing with me as I stood right there. There's somebody here, you, you're almost wanting to commit suicide. You're under so much pressure, so much depression. No, no, no. The chastisement of our peace. He was mentally tormented, so you don't have to be. Even to the point that he visibly did this, they put a crown of thorns on his head so you'd have peace of mind right now. Amen. So use the word. Say, no, no, it is written. It is written. It is written. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. It is written. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. It is written. My mind is free. Hallelujah. Just tell the devil he's a liar, liar, pants on fire. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right, grab your Bibles. You just turn them wherever you think you want to turn. We'll see if you're flowing. Praise God. Go for it. All right. Go to Luke 21, and we'll get into a little bit more about end times. We'll pick up where we left off and see how far we go. And uh, I'm going to give you the, the, the name of the Antichrist. I'm going to give you the date he's coming. No, I'm not going to do that. Just kidding. Come on. And if you go get the book out there, there's a scratch and sniff page on what heaven's going to smell like when we're raptured. I say that. People walk up and go, Where, where's the scratch and sniff page? I'm like, there is no scratch and sniff page. <laughs> And if, if you get the book, uh, I, I don't hardly ever do this, but there is actually, I begged Clarence Lark and a guy from 1919, his uh, basically his uh, charts on, on end times are so good, I begged him over and over and over again, asked him seven times if I could use his charts and his estate wouldn't let me. The eighth time I told my secretary, ask him one more time. They said, sure, you can use them. So we got to put them in the book so you can glance at it and learn where we are in time. It's not complicated, not hard. And, you know, an end times is not scary. I, I hear people, uh, almost every end time conference, a lady will walk up to me crying going, I've been lied to my entire life. No, it's good news. We're about to see him. There is no bad news about the coming of the Lord. If you hear end time preaching, it scares you. It's not Bible. There is, there is no bad news for us. It's all good news. Hallelujah. So it's wonderful. Why, why should we hear about the coming of the Lord? It makes you expectant. It makes you happy. I had a guy say, Joe, if you preach on the coming of the Lord, you just get everybody's hopes up. I said, duh, that's right. It's, it's the hope that purifies you even as you're pure. So it's good to have renewal of hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And you've got so many things to look forward to. There, there's massive things to look forward to. Wow, what a wonderful future you have. Praise God. And you know, the rapture of the church is not an ending for you. It's a beginning. You're going to live forever. Hallelujah. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for Faith Family Church. Thank you for what you have for them. Thank you for raising up Pastor Tony and Pastor Jeanette to, to feed us, to strengthen us so that we would know how close we are to your return. I ask you to bless their family, bless their household, all the households in this church, Lord. I thank you for a season of overflow, a season of great joy, a season of great peace. I thank you, Father, that we could see Jesus today high and lifted up with his train filling the temple. Lord, we see you as God. It pleased the Father that in you and all the fullness of the Godhead dwell bodily. And Father, as we see all these things happening in the earth that are pointing to your return, we thank you for an acceleration mentality in all of our lives to do your bidding and to cooperate with you, that we'd walk faster. We would pick up the pace of our Christian and spiritual walk with you. And we would lift you up and magnify you, that every person in this room would be your mouthpiece. They'd speak for you. I thank you for it, Lord. We honor you, we magnify you, we glorify you, Jesus. Jesus, be magnified in this room. Jesus, be glorified in this room. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. 
Turn, if you would, there to Luke chapter 21, and we'll pick up there and go for a little bit. Luke 21, you know the story so well, I know the verses so well, but it'll bless you to rehearse it a little bit. And you, like what John Osteen says, you can tell when you've gotten hold of a verse when you want to hear it over and over and over again. That's when you really got a hold of it. Just like a cheeseburger. I don't get mad that I've had a cheeseburger before. I like cheeseburgers. Amen. So I like to have another one. So here we go. Luke 21, verse 24. They'll fall by the edge of the sword and they'll be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem will be trodden down to the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So Jesus is saying here, some, there's going to be a time of the nations that will come to the end. And he said, hey, when, when Israel gets Jerusalem back, you can tell you're there. Well, that happened in 1967. So Jerusalem was won back. So we know we're, we're living on borrowed time basically right now. We don't have a lot of time left for the nations. But now Jesus is going to make it even clearer here because everything revolves around on Jerusalem. Remember, if you live west of Jerusalem, you read left to right. If you live east of Jerusalem, you read right to left. So everything revolves around that piece of real estate. You think about that's going to be the headquarters or the throne of God forever. Pretty amazing. Uh, you can go to the Temple Mount and look down at that that, that section right there, and you just go, wow, this is God's address forever. You know, at the second coming, the Bible says there's a great earthquake right there where the Temple Mount is. The Temple Mount will go up a couple hundred yards, and uh, water will come from the Dead Sea over right by the throne where Jesus is, and that water gets near him, and it goes out and quickens all the waters in the earth. There's so much life in him, it just gets close to him. Isn't it wonderful this morning? He's not close to you. He's in you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So we see Jerusalem being won back, and we see everything pointing to that. It's weird how that's such a, a special thing to him. Remember, the Bible says Jerusalem would be a cup of trembling for all nations. Isn't it interesting that Islam says uh, Jerusalem's holy for us? It's not mentioned once in the Quran. mentioned 660 times in the Bible because it's the capital of Israel forever. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's go down a little further and watch Jesus get even clearer. That's good to know that, that there's some timing that is almost up. But watch Jesus kind of show us something that's even more blatant or even more clear. Look at verse 29. He spake to them a parable. What's a parable for? To make what he had just said get clearer. He said, look at the fig tree, the nation of Israel, and all the trees. That's the prophetic nations around Israel. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is nigh at hand. I like it. Brother Hagin prophesied there'd be a spirit of seeing and a spirit of knowing on the church. Where'd that come from? That verse right there. Just means an attitude. That the church in the last days would have an attitude of seeing and knowing. That's why we preach on end time so that we are picking up what's happening in the earth and we know how close we are. More verses are coming to pass right now than ever before. For every one verse there is about the first coming, eight times more about the second coming. So, so it's very documented in the Bible. Why? So we could tell what it would look like. Why? So when these things start happening, Jesus said, lift up your heads and your redemption draws nigh. What does that mean, lift up your heads? Don't be downtrodden. The number one thing about the coming of the Lord, He doesn't want you sad. He wants you happy. So it's amazing about end times. What did, the, what did Christians think? Well, uh, uh, that God's mad at you. And here, here the Lord is going to come back and He's going to kill everybody. No. He said, I'm coming back and my reward is with me. I have some pastor friends of mine that I went to Rama with. I went to Rama 43 years ago. And, and this is one of them. She was in uh, Panama City. And she said, I was dreading having you come, but I knew I was supposed to. And then when we were done, she goes, I'm so happy. I had no idea that end times could be so fun. Isn't that sad that people that the Lord got a bad rap about his return? No, no, no. So here Jesus is making it clear. He says here, you can see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is night hand. Verse 31, likewise, when you see these things, what things? Israel regathered, 
as a nation in 1948, Jerusalem won back in 1967. When you see these things come to pass, no, circle the word no. He's not teaching us this so we wonder about it. He's teaching you so you can know. Because we've been taught our whole lives, well, you can't know when the Lord's coming back. Jesus said, if you see these things, you can know when I'm coming back. In other words, if you're paying attention and you comprehend it, you can see it and know it. So watch what he says here. Know that the kingdom's near. It's good to know it's close. Look at the next verse. Verily I say unto you, this generation will not pass away till all is fulfilled. So he went from showing that it's near to being the generation. What generation? The one that sees Israel regathered. Hitler killed six million Jews right before Israel was regathered, thinking he could stop the word of God from coming to pass. But he can't stop it. Uh, Israel was made a nation in 1948, right after World War II. That's the big deal. The one thing the Bible says, God said, we would say he can't do. He's already done it. He's regathered them. You can watch Jews from Russia get off an airplane, climb down the stairs on that plane and kiss the ground. And, they, and they, a lot of them will go, I don't even know why I'm here. Something drew me back here because God said I'll bring them back in the latter days. And what he's doing, he's brought them back so he can court Israel. When Colleen and I were dating, she was living in Los Angeles. She was living in Azusa in California. I was living in Tulsa. And we were dating. And then we started dating by text. I said, man, you can't convey by text. So I moved her from California to Tulsa so we could court each other. We could date. So you could see each other. God's moved Israel back to its land so he can court her. Right after the rapture of the church, you'll see Russia come down on Israel and God's going to protect Israel. In this dispensation, it's up to the church. He gave you all authority. But the moment we leave, he's going to play rat-a-tat-tat with his baseball bat. And you watch. <laughs> Russia's going to think they're going to get Israel and he's going to go, no, I'm going to protect her right here. So it's a great time to see the earth getting ready for God to come back to the planet. How, how amazing to watch all the pieces come together. When you see the pieces come together, we were talking about a Jewish friend of mine, a buddy. He, go, he knows our doctrine. He goes, I know your Ezekiel 38 doctrine. He goes, I've watched Iran. I've watched Turkey. I've watched Russia all come together and, and, and shake hands because this is the group that's going to attack Israel right after we're raptured. They're all doing all kinds of uh, exchanges with all their militaries right now, getting ready for that and don't even know they're getting ready for it. So you're watching the setup for the coming of the Lord pretty much every single week. So we're very, very blessed. Very, very blessed. We're very, very privileged to see scriptures come to pass. How cool that God would have us live in this day. You know, in a relay race, they always say the fastest runner is the last, last leg. So you're the fastest runners. Isn't it cool Daniel's already seen you? Daniel said the last days, they'd know their God. They'd be strong and they would do exploits. How cool is that? Heaven has already seen what you look like. Said you're strong, you know God, and you're doing something. You're doing exploits. Wow, glory to God. And I love how normal your pastors are. I say that because, you know, it's like uh, they, they breed normalness. So it's wonderful. You can come. You know you're going to get fed. You know you're going to get strengthened. And they love end times. How cool is that? Why? You're about to see the king. Come on. Amen. So let's take it another step forward. There's so much you could get into here uh, about how close we are. And, and a lot of things that are happening about from 1917 when Allenby went into Israel. 50 years later, exactly one jubilee, Jerusalem's going back. So everything's on a clock. Everything's flawless. They're called moeds or set times. So with all of that, you see us getting ready for the coming of the Lord. Let's go to Thessalonians and look at what's the next event for our lives. Because we have a calendar with God. Remember that when Jesus came walking in to the uh, town there, Capernaum, the demons cried out, Have you come to torment us before the time? <laughs> demons knew that he had a schedule, but he was early. If demons can know what the schedule is, how much more the church? So why would the Lord want you to know? What would be the big deal about knowing how close he is to coming? So you make changes. 
Just like when you see a finish line in a race, I've never seen somebody see the finish line and go, well, I'm done. No, they see the finish line and all the trainings for right there. You're all in. Same thing in a car race. When that white flag comes out, you're all in. You probably take your engine up to red line closer than you did the whole race. In other words, you probably exert yourself more than you normally would. So this is the time to be all in. This is the time to go for it. I'll come preach to you. Thanks, buddy. Amen. So, so see, what's exciting about that is, is, is we hear in time preaching not to escape, but to, to make us uh, push the pedal down to go for it. Yeah. Why, why would that be important? You're, you're it. Tag, you're it. We keep thinking God's going to raise up another group, don't we? We think, well, God will raise up another group to do this. Guess what? You're it. Right. I mean, think about it. Because we, we go, well, God's going to raise up another group. Jesus said the generation that sees Israel regathered in Jerusalem and back, that's the generation. So uh, whether we're comfortable with that or not, I mean, he's being pretty clear there. I hear people go, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. Actually, you can if you can read. Signs aren't there to scare you. Signs are there to show you how close you are to your destination. If you're driving to Des Moines, you know, you don't go <laughs> or, or somewhere close by here. The signs on the freeway get you showing you going, wow, you're getting close. Boy, the signs show us we're close. Let's run through them before we get to Thessalonians. You got Israel regathered. You got Jerusalem one back. You got the Hebrew language restored. You got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. You got the fertility of the land of Israel. You got the revival of the Roman Empire. You have all these things that show us this is it. I mean, uh, it's blatant. You had foxes show up on the Temple Mount, fish in the Dead Sea. You had the Dead Sea turn blood red where Sodom and Gomorrah was. How crazy is that? And it happened on the Day of Atonement. So you just got all these things. You got uh, 172 different species of predatory birds show up in the land. So you got the cleanup crew in Israel right now. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I'm getting ready. This fall, I'll speak at Rama, Germany in October. Then I'll go to Zurich and speak there in Switzerland. And then I'm going to Israel. Guess what I'm doing the first four days in Israel? I'm taking a Jewish man to Petra to show him where he'll take the Jews midway through the trib for safety. That's how close we are to the coming of the Lord, that we're going to go on a scouting trip to show them where they're going to hide in those caves for safety. That's this October I'm taking them there. I, and it's just, we're there. We're there. <laughs> well, we, we do tours, but our, that one's not going to be on a tour. But, I mean, that's how radical this is. I mean, this is, we're, we're, this is it. I just want you to get this because everybody goes, well, it could be, it could not be it. No other generations at all the signs but you and I. So we're very, 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 very blessed. And the whole purpose on getting into all this because he loves you so much. He wants to strengthen you, wants to bless you. He wants you excited. I say it like this. I said it first service. Could you imagine how many of you were excited the night before you got married? One, two, three, four couples. Woo, all right. No, wouldn't it be weird the night before you got married? You're like, oh, my God, tomorrow's the day. No, you, 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 that, that would be weird. You know what I'm saying? And, and the Lord wants you expecting. We're about to see him. He wants us excited, not downtrodden. We should be so happy people tell us to break that pill in half. Like, whatever you're on, man, take it down a notch. Why? Your, your life is about to change like never before. And let's go look at this change. Go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and let's look at what's next for us. Now, remember, Thessalonians is the first letter written to the church. What was the theme of it? The coming of the Lord. Why? They thought they were in the tribulation. Nero was so crazy. He was taking Christians, dunking them in oil, and then setting them up on poles to be nightlights. That's not good. So they thought, well, we have to be in the tribulation. So Paul said, hey, you can't be in the tribulation. <laughs> because the Antichrist can't even be revealed until the church leaves. You have so much authority, he has to take the church off the earth. 
So the earth's going to go back to seven years of Old Testament time. So that necessitates us being taken off the earth. That's why we call it, uh, we're going to be caught up. We're going to be raptured. So watch Paul explain this because they were thinking they were in the trip. So look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Look over at verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. So he says here in verse 18, that might be the rapture. No, here he says in verse 18, because of this, comfort one another with these words. So the teaching on the rapture wasn't for fear. It was to bring comfort. So if, if people are afraid, it's being taught incorrectly. So Paul said, I'm telling you this so that you can be comforted. And the actual Greek word there is the word exhort. It means to call nearer to God. It just means you want to be close to each other. Like right before you got married, uh, Mike, Colleen and I, our cell phones almost burned up because we were talking to each other so much right before we got married. We didn't talk less, we talked more. So in other words, he's telling you this right before the rapture, stay close to him. Call, be near him because you're going to be caught up. And there are people, I hear people go, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Well, it's the Greek word harpazo. means to be taken. Remember Elisha, the sons of the prophet said to Elisha, don't you know your master is going to be taken from you today? That's the word taken. He said, yeah, I know it. Shut up. They knew the day he was going to go up. But actually in Latin, it's the word rapture, rapture. So there's that word rapture. All it means is he's going to take us from one place to another. I say it like this. I believe that his flux capacitor is charged up, you know. <laughs> and all of a sudden when we hear that voice, we're going to go up. We're going to be, you talk about a reunion with your loved ones. You talk about the wonderful thing. Your body's going to be changed. Never be tired again. Never gain weight again. Come on. Am I in the right room? Think about that. Never gain weight again. Doesn't get any cooler than that. Come on. It'll be exciting just to, to, to not be tired, but this event's going to happen. You look at the Old Testament where the angels went down into to Sodom and Gomorrah. They told Lot, we can't do anything here till we get you out. God's going to get the righteous off the earth. You think about the ambassadors are always the first people to be evacuated. In Turkey, the Israeli ambassadors were being pulled out last year because they thought a war was about to break out. They're the first ones to be evacuated. You're going to be evacuated from the planet. You're going to go from here to there, and it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. It's the shortest amount of time that can't be divided. I hear people go, well, I, well, I have a sensation of flying. I don't think so. It's going to be instantaneous. You're going to be at the throne of God. We'll be right there. The Bible says it's a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Crystal is the only element that won't hide a flaw. You'll be flawless before the throne of God. We'll see that rainbow. We'll see the king. We'll see that fountain right there filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. When sinners dip beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. And you talk about shouting. You talk about dancing. You talk about getting wild. The quietest uh, person in church, quieter than a church mouse, is going to be screaming, I'm, I made it. I'm here. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to look at some of my buddies and I'm going to go, I can't believe you made it. <laughs> and they'll go, I can't believe you made it. <laughs> But won't it be amazing to stand there and look at him that gave his life for us? That let, he, he, he despised the shame. You know what I, I like thinking of it? You know, when he was, his back was beaten, he didn't go, oh man, hope don't hit me like that. No, he, he sat there and said, go for it. Yeah. It pleased him. 
Come on. He, he purposely gave his life. Mm. He let himself be vulnerable to rid himself of rebellion. That's what the father said to me about Lucifer. He said, I let myself look like I could be taken because Lucifer's so stupid. He said, I'll be like the most high. And he ascended to the sides of the north. And how long did it take for him to get thrown out? Instantly he came out as lightning fall from heaven. The father said, I don't think so. Oh, but my friend, we're going to stand there and look at those eyes as a flame of fire. Feet like undefined brass. Voice of many waters. Woo, glory to God. How amazing. That's so soon. <laughs> glory to God. So this event's coming, the rapture of the church. What's the big deal about it? You need a new body. Why, why do we need to be, have a new body? Well, you look at cherubim. You look at seraphim in the Old Testament. They, they, they're created to be at the throne. They cover, you know, the, the Bible says the, the cherub are right there with two wings that cover their feet, two wings that they fly with, two wings that cover their face. So they're created to be at the throne, but they still got to shield themselves from His glory. So God's going to get us a, a new body where we can walk in and talk to Him and not fry our eyes. Remember Exodus 19? He said, put a fence around the, around the mountain, lest they even get near to gaze at me and die. Not that God was mad at them. They were just, he's holy and they weren't holy. It's like a bug zapper. You know, it's like you get too close, man, you're going to be zapped. <laughs> so he said, put a fence around it so you couldn't even see him because he's so radiant. So God's going to get us a new body where we can walk right in there and talk to him. And you look at the scriptures, you always go to the word to find out what, what, what you want to find out about our future. You see, remember when Jesus was raised from the dead on the road to Emmaus, he's walking along. First thing he said to the disciples, why are you sad? They said, well, hello, if you lived around here, they killed our Lord. And the Bible says Jesus would have kept right on walking, but they constrained him to stay for dinner. Don't you love it that the Lord's so cool? He kept their eyes from knowing who he was. I love that. How cool is that? Like they don't even know it's him. Well, you know what? The Bible says he would have kept walking. They constrained him to stay for dinner. And you know what he did? He took them through the Word and showed them himself in the Old Testament. He revealed Christ. Isn't it better to be revealed through the Word? I would have gone, nah, 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 loser. It's me. I told you I'd be raised up after three days. They should have been out by the tomb going, three, two, one, here he comes. But they weren't. But he's so sweet, he took them through the Word. There's something about faith, people. You're going to have people in the next dispensation go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You got saved when you couldn't see him? You took someone's word by the foolishness of preaching? See, it's all about faith. Wow. So, you know, he's standing there <laughs> taking them through the word. The Bible says he, they broke his bread and he disappeared. They said, did not our hearts burn within us the words that he spoke to us? His words are spirit. In their life. Well, they went back to their buddies. We saw him. He took us through the word, gave us an Easter lesson. They go, no, he didn't. <laughs> don't you love Thomas? He didn't see him. Didn't see him. I don't believe that. I won't believe it until I see the hole in his side, see the hole in his hands. Jesus instantly walks right through the wall. Thomas, reach into your hand. Thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. He said, my Lord and my God. I guess so. Well, the amazing thing about that, they said, well, he's a spirit, because that is kind of weird to walk through the wall, because he goes, no, no, handle me. A spirit that's not flesh and bone, as you see I have. But what was the first thing the Lord said? Do you have any meat? He didn't say, do you have any kale? He didn't say, do you have any broccoli? He didn't say, do you have any salad? He said, where's the beef? First thing he said was, where's the meat? So in your glorified body, he's trying to show you, you'll have an appetite, you can walk through walls. How cool is that? I don't know how that works, but that glorified body is going to be amazing that you can move at the speed of thought. Wow. So we got some cool stuff to look forward to. 
I think of even Keith Moore. Remember, uh, we think of heaven, you know, being neat. But Keith Moore, remember when he took his dad for a ride in his plane one time? His dad had a horrible fear of flying. This is amazing. He blessed his dad's heart. He had a horrible fear of flying. And Keith said, Dad, just come with me one time. He took his dad up in one of his planes. And his dad got so nervous, he died. Had a heart attack and died right there on the plane. I mean, I guess he just got so stressed out, you know. And Keith's like trying to land the plane, trying to pray for his dad. You know, his dad had a massive heart attack and goes home to be with the Lord on the plane. Well, and, and, uh, so Keith was so distraught over that. He goes, you know, I took my dad for a ride on, on a plane. And he, went, he ended up going home early. Never be sad for a Christian going home. Oh, no, no, no. And Keith was sad, though, because, you know, I kind of caused it, he thought. Well, you know, Keith had a vision about three months after his dad went home. He's up in heaven, and, and he's on a, a liquid metal motorcycle in heaven. And he said, he said, I'm buzzing along in this liquid metal motorcycle. And I, I came up to my dad and Jesus, and he said, I didn't even have to brake. It braked on its own. Wow. And he, said, and he said, my dad threw his head back and said, man, don't be sad. I'm here. I'm having the time of my life. But the, whole, the moral of the story is there's cool motorcycles even in heaven. <laughs> Come on. So see, God's normal. He's normal. He's normal. He's normal. He said, where's the beef? He didn't go, well, I'm in my new glorified body. Like we, Hollywood tries to portray Jesus as real thin and real weak and real whatever. And it's like he's not like that. He's normal. Amen. Very, 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 very normal. So what a wonderful thing to look forward to that we'll have this new body. Man, I can't wait. Glory to God. So we, we see what, what's the qualifications. Man, we've often thought, well, if I'm cool enough, I'll go up in the rapture. The rapture is not about us. It's about him. But the main thing that makes you go in the rapture is to be in the body of Christ. So watch how the Lord answers that. Look in verse 14. This is the qualifications right here. He said, if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. The qualification to go up in the rapture is to be saved. <laughs> I mean, it's so weird how people try to put weird things on the church. But if you're in the body of Christ, you're going to go up. He's coming back for a species and we're going to be taken up right there when he comes. How Fun's that going to be? Dear Lord, this mortal has to put on immortality. Just as you've borne the image of the earthy, the stain of Adam's going to be taken off of us. You've borne the image of the earthy, you're going to bear the image of the heavenly. And I love the verses that all come with the rapture of the church. Six times when the Bible talks about the rapture, what's communicated with it or what's connected to it? Steadfastness steadfastness. There's something about us being unmovable. There's something about you being strong, stable, patient. <laughs> That's the mentality right before the catching up of the Lord or the saints. Glory to God. Well, we look at the Old Testament. You look at Enoch. He walked with God, raptured. What did he do? Handed off to Noah. Noah rode the flood. Elijah, raptured, handed off to Elisha. The church, Jesus, raptured, hands off to the church. The church, raptured, hands off to 144,000 Jewish evangelists. So it's a, it's a doctrine in the Bible that it's okay to be taken off the earth. Hallelujah. Won't that be cool to get a brand new body? Glory to God. Now, you know, the rapture is such a mystery, just like the church age was a mystery. It amazes me how God did this, but it wasn't to be kept from us. It was to be kept for us. So the only time in the Gospels, now this is really a big deal. It's when it comes to end time preaching, your doctrine. You don't get your rapture doctrine from the Gospels. He's talking to Jewish boys there about the second coming. Now, hang with me. Where we were there, well, this is very important because I want to get to this. In Luke 21, when we were there, remember he told them at the end of it in verse 36, pray, talking to Jewish boys, pray that you might be accounted worthy 
to escape all these things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Now remember, he's talking to Jewish boys. I don't have to pray to be accounted worthy. I am worthy. The rules change after the resurrection. And it has nothing to do with what you and I did. It has everything to do with what he did. He gets all the glory, okay? So think of the ten virgins. Everybody thinks the ten virgins. I hear guys preach, if you don't have oil in your lamp, you're not going up in the rapture. He's not talking to the church there. You have the maker of the oil. Come on. Amen. He's talking to Jewish boys. They need oil in their lamp. The rules change after the resurrection. But there's only one little hidden reference, and it's in John 14. It's amazing how God put these in there just for us to get a glimpse of what it's like. Everybody still with me for a couple more minutes? Everybody with me a little bit? How many glad you came? How many glad you're here? You're not in jail. Come on, praise the Lord. <laughs> All right, that usually gets pretty much everybody. But the, uh, it's amazing how, how this works. In John 14, he said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. Now, that was a Jewish wedding proposal. That, that I'm sure they sat there and go, did he just ask us to marry him? In today's vernacular in America, it would be just like you and I going, will you marry me? So in the Jewish culture, a man would ask a woman to marry him. They would be betrothed. All right. The man, the upcoming groom, would go back to the father's house and the father would oversee the building of a honeymoon suite for him. It would be up to the father to tell the son when the room was ready. It wouldn't be up to the son. So the father would help him build this beautiful honeymoon suite. And when it's done, the father would tell the son, go get your bride. So I've interviewed lady after lady after lady in Israel. <laughs> and I said, would you kind of know how close it was for him to come? And they, every single one of them looked at me like I was stupid, like, of course we would know. I go, how would you know? They said word would come to us that the room was almost complete. I said, how close would you know? They, every lady said, we'd know within a day or two. <laughs> Why? They didn't want to spend $500 on perfume and it's six more months. It's about being a good steward. You didn't, you, didn't put the, you didn't get completely ready until it was a day or two away, so you weren't wrong. Now, how would you know? You can tell when the room's done. How do you know? The fullness of the Gentiles has pretty much come in. God's getting ready to hand off to the Jews. It's blatantly obvious. What did Paul say in Romans 11? What, what, what do you do when you see God bring Israel back to their land? What's it mean for you? Life from the dead. Resurrection. Let that sink in a minute. Paul said, what do you do at, of the church at Rome when you see God bring Israel back to their land? What does it mean for you? Resurrection. There should be one thing on our mind right now. We're about to be caught up. We're about to be raised up with him. Hollywood has more of a sense of it than the church. You've got uh, walking, the walking dead. You've got zombies. You've got all this stuff. They sense that coming but don't know what it is. You know what's coming. You're going to be caught up. So when Jesus said, remember when Jesus said, this is what I wish we were taught this years ago? Gosh. Ah. I got this in 1970. My mom took me to a Kenneth Hagin meeting in Shreveport, Louisiana. And then we started going to church every single night for three years. I thought my mom had lost her mind. <laughs> well, what's, what's coming is we get to see exactly how close we are. I mean, I, I, these ladies told me, I said, I said no, wait, wait, how would you know how close it was? Well, word would come to us that it's about a day or two away. When Jesus said to the disciples of that day and that hour, no man knows, that was code for, I'm coming back for you on Feast of Trumpets. That, that, they knew exactly what that was. Okay, now hang with me. Feast of Trumpets was on the 29.5th day of the month, the new moon. But, so you didn't know if it was on the 29th or the 30th. 
So what the, 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 uh, the guy would send two witnesses out to find out if it was a new moon, uh, the, the Sanhedrin would, and when it was like that, you knew it was going to be the Feast of Trumpets. So, but it's within a day or two. That's why every one of those ladies said, I, I'd know within a day or two. So, you, so you, you're telling me, Joe, do you think we'll know within a day or two when the rapture's going to be? Yes. Not just because of that, but because Paul says in the next chapter, you are not in darkness that that day would overtake you as a thief. When the world says peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, not you. They shall not escape, not the church. The church gets to escape. But you, my brethren, are not in darkness that that day would overtake you even as a thief. For you are the children of day, you are the children of light. So don't get mad at me, get mad at Paul. Paul's the one that told you you'll know how close it is. How many of you knew when your wedding was going to be to catch you by surprise? Boom, I'm married. No, that doesn't happen to anybody, man. We got saved the date. We got all the stuff to get ready to get married. Now, I say that because you will know. I believe, I personally believe that it'll be so cool right before we're raptured that there'll be such an, an unction in the church. We'll be having church 24 hours a day. Pastor Tony will go, you take the church 7 to 11. You take it from 11 to, to 1. You take it 1 to 3. You take it from 3 to 5. I believe we'll be having church 24 hours a day. We'll be coming into church going, my God, this is it. This is it. We're about to leave the planet right now. There'll be such an excitement, such joy. And all of a sudden we'll hear his voice. Come up hither. Come up to the throne of God. And we'll, we'll rock it right up to the throne. How cool will that be? Man, that's, that's so soon. And what you have to look at... Now, turn over to Daniel 9. I'm going to stop with this. I've been preaching too long. Daniel 9. Everybody, everybody with me for a couple more minutes? Are you okay? Just for a couple seconds. I won't take you too long. We'll, we'll, we'll dismiss. I want you to come back tonight. Look at Daniel 9. What was I saying? I was saying something. I forgot where I was. Lord, help me. Lord, bring that back. Uh, Oh, yeah, twerk 24 hours a day. And I, this is an easy way to comprehend where we are in time. You can kind of look at the resurrection. You can kind of look at the, when Jesus went to the cross. And if he went in 30 or 31 or 32 or 33, add 2,000 years to it, and you kind of see where you're at. Because Jesus said, I'll be back after two days, 2,000 years. So however you do the math, we're very, very close right now. But I want you to see something here in Daniel that shows you you can't be here during the tribulation. Because I have a lot of people say, well, you don't have scripture and verse for that. I want you to see this, and it'll show you you can't be here during the trib. You have to be raptured before the tribulation. So let's run through that for a couple minutes. It's really, really cool. Then guess what? We're going to get to one of the coolest verses in the entire Bible. You'll walk out going, man, that's the coolest one right there. So go to Daniel 9, look at verse 1. And this is a little bit com complicated, but it's really cool to show you how neat the plan of God is. Daniel 9, verse 1. If you've got a Bible like mine, it's 994 is my page. In the first year of Darius, which was the son of whatever that is, which was the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Well, he goes, you know what? I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. All Daniel's saying here is, whoa, 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 we're in captivity for 60 years. Let's find out why we're in jail. Well, he went back to the books and found out they were supposed to let the land rest every seven years. Well, guess what? They fudged and planned it on that seventh year. They were, they were going to be so blessed at the end of six, it would carry them over. Just like you see the earth right now, we're at the end of six days of human history. It's so prosperous, it will carry us over into the millennium. So they, let the, they were supposed to let the land rest every seventh year. They didn't. Guess how long they fudged or missed it? 490 years. So they owed the land back 70 years. See how flawless God was in the Old Testament? 
You missed it for $490, so you owe the land back 70 years. So God let them go into captivity to pay the land back. Okay? Remember Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I forgive somebody? 70 times 7 or 490 times. Remember that? So let's look at this. Look how cool this is. Get ready. Look at Daniel 9. Skip over to verse 23. This is Gabriel talking to Daniel. And then when we get to that main verse, I'll tell you in just a second. This is so cool. Daniel 9, verse, Daniel chapter 9, verse 23. This is Gabriel talking to Daniel. At the beginning of thy supplication, the commandment came forth. He goes, I'm come to show you. You're greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Okay, you guys missed it for 490 years. Watch this. 70 weeks or 70 segments of seven or 490 years are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city. He goes, you missed it for 490. God's given you guys another 490. What's it for? The Jews... And for Jerusalem, what's it for? To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint, to anoint the most holy. And here comes one of the coolest verses in the Bible, verse 25. Get, get ready. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah comes, it's going to be a certain amount of years, and I'm going to add it up for you so you don't have to. So he basically said, Gabriel goes, okay, now watch. There's going to be a commandment to restore and build Jerusalem, and the clock's going to start. It's going to start. And Jesus is going to come after 483 years. So King Artaxerxes was talking to Nehemiah, and Nehemiah was all depressed. He goes, well, what's wrong? He goes, oh, Jerusalem's all overthrown. He goes, don't worry, I'm going to make a proclamation. <laughs> we shall build Jerusalem. Gabriel said when that proclamation goes forth, Jesus is going to come 483 years later. Well, you remember they asked Jesus, are you the Messiah? He said, go tell them what you see and what you hear. John the Baptist goes, go ask him again if he's really the one because they're about to cut my head off. This ain't looking good for me. And Jesus said, go tell him what you see and what you hear. Would never really come out and say it, but remember this. Come on, hang with me. He rode into Jerusalem on that donkey and they laid palm branches down. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They said, oh man, don't let them do that. You're admitting you're the Messiah. He said, if they didn't do it, the rocks would cry out. Why? It was 483 years from when that commandment came forth. How amazing. Flawless. Well, God gave them 490. Jesus came after 483. He owes them seven years of old covenant time. That's the tribulation period. Takes the church off the earth and repays them those seven years. So you're watching the earth get ready for this seven-year period called the tribulation. I call it fireworks. You know, when I was in high school, I say this, when I was in high school dating girls, there was a certain spot I would pull over almost every day and I'd get out and shoot fireworks off. Every single one. Why? I wanted the date to be memorable. I wanted them to not be able to forget it. Because <laughs> you can't say you didn't go out with me and didn't see fireworks. <laughs> Amen. It's kind of sad. I didn't, didn't, didn't do it once, did it many times. Well, see, God's getting ready to have fireworks for seven years to get people's attention because He loves them so much. So here the church gets taken off the earth. It goes back to seven years of Old Covenant time. And man, you talk about, wow. We talked about today. We talked about yesterday. Can you imagine what it's going to be like the day after the rapture? Just the, the day of and the day after. Wow. The, right now, though, the earth is getting ready for one world authority. You got, you got the Antichrist in, getting in position. You got the Pope saying there's no hell. 
I mean, you've got monetary systems right now. It was, it was going to take them an hour and a half to convert to digital currency. They got it down to, you know, an hour, got it down to a few minutes. They got it down to a minute and a half. They've got it right now within about three seconds because of AI that every nation can convert to this digital currency instantly where everyone functions and all their debts forgiven and everything. They got it ready right now. Whereas five years ago, the float was too long and you couldn't do it. Today, there is no float, instantaneous. They could sign on to this thing, and it's all about control. So you got the earth ready for the Antichrist. Why is that a big deal? That just means we're about to leave. Wow. And the gospel's going all over the world. We talked about the Sudan. Those two million people got saved in Sudan. It was a little while ago. We bought backpacks with solar panels on them, thousands of them, so they could go have new members classes because two million people got saved in two weeks. And thank God this missions group out in California has all these dialects. So these guys set these backpacks down, let them charge up, and they put up a white sheet, and they do a new members class for 20,000 people there, 10,000 people over there, another 1,000 over there. I'm telling you what, the, the gospel's going all over the world. You've got Jesus appearing to children in Iran. You've got Jesus appearing to children in Malaysia. You've got all this stuff happening because the king's coming back. I mean, this really is it. You say, how many years do we have? I, I don't think very many. I think we're there. I mean, for, for someone to say we've got tons of time, I don't think they can comprehend the, the signs of the times. Because you've got all of this set up to where the Ezekiel 38 war guys, and, I, and I'm closing right now, but, you know, I'm a college football guy, and I love to watch them warm up, you know. I like to watch them do punts. I like to watch them throw a little bit. But, you know, while they're warming up, it's cool. But, you know, sometimes Colin will go, Joe, the, the game's about to start. How do you know that? The signs are telling you the game's about to start? No, they lined up on the 35. They're getting ready to kick, the, they're getting ready to kick off. It's not rocket science. How did my wife go, I have read the signs. I've studied the signs of a football game, and I got it. No, they lined up on the 35, so the game's about to start. You got the players for the Ezekiel 38 war lined up. You got Iran sending missiles down into Damascus. Isaiah 17 once says Damascus will be removed from being a city. Israel has had to do 63 airstrikes in one year against those missiles that have been hauled down to Damascus. It's not on the news here at all. Why? Because they're getting ready for the Ezekiel 38 war. The Euphrates is running dry again. You got China, you got Russia. Seven, 11 warships last week came into the Alaskan waters from China and Russia that we had to run them off. If you got into everything that was happening that was pointing to World War III, we'd be like, what? <coughs> North Korea hacked a, a missile building company here in America last week to help build their missiles. I mean, it, we're there. So how blessed. Jesus said, when you see these things come to pass, lift up your heads. He wants you excited.